All right. Um, we'll start out this morning talking about a fundraising trip that I took. This has been about 15 years ago. We were in Brazil, and it was time to purchase land in Rio. It was time to build a building, and so we needed to raise maybe a little over a million dollars, maybe like $1.2 million. And so part of that was going to be a fundraising trip. Now, one of my friends, he's a Brazilian, and he was on our team, but he had some supporters here in the States. So he was going to come back to the U.S., meet with those groups of supporters, and, and kind of do his part to raise money. Uh, but he didn't want to go alone, so he said, Gordon, will you come with me? I said, yes, I'll come with you. Uh, we'll be a team together on this fundraising trip as we talk to your supporters. Well, uh, two days before our trip, he comes into our, our rented church offices, and he's got this, re- this look on his face. It wasn't a good look. It was either, either he had kidney stones or, or something bad had happened. I don't know. He didn't have a good look on his face. And I said, what's going on? He said, well, you know, he's Brazilian. He said, um, I don't have a visa to go, and I went to the consulate this morning. I'm not going to be able to go on this trip. And I just kind of just took the air out of me, and I'm like, Wow. But he said, I've set some things up. So if you will go, um, I'll let everybody know you're going to come and you're going to speak for me and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, all right, I'll go. So I came back to the U.S. alone and started out in Oklahoma City and met with some people from one of his uh, supporting churches up there. We had a little dessert and coffee thing. And uh, I'm not going to say it was a disaster. They're really nice people. And I think I'm a pretty nice guy. But I raised a total of $150, right? (laughs) Maybe enough to pay for gas on that trip. I don't know, you know, as I'm driving around. It wasn't great. Um, so then I had, I'm uh, going to meet with another one of his supporting churches down in South Texas. And so I headed from Oklahoma down south. And on the way, I got a call from the head of the missions committee at this church saying, quote, don't bother coming. And he explained, because he's a really great guy, but he explained, we just found out. Some of you may even recognize this church from what I'm going to tell you, but but anyway, he said, we just found out we've got major architectural issues with our building. And we are going to have to invest every scrap of money we've got to get this fixed, or literally the roof may cave in. I was like, "That's that's a pretty good reason. So I was like, okay, all right. Well, I still had one guy who lived down there in South Texas, so I thought, well, I'm going to head down there and at least talk to this guy. Um, and on, on my way, I knew there was a little luncheon at Webb Chapel right over here, Webb Chapel Church Christ, a little missions luncheon. They had some presenters and stuff, and I stopped in there, and at lunchtime, you had lunch, and then at the end of lunch, all of the missionaries got like 30 seconds, right, to a minute to stand up and just give a little, this is what's going on in, in this city, and this is what's going on in this work, and, and this mission point. And so I was one of those eight or ten missionaries, got up and shared a little bit, and uh, you know, said, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're building this building, it's time, we need it, da-da-da. And after the luncheon, this fellow comes up and introduces himself to me. I had never met, had no idea who he was, introduced himself and said, you know, my wife and I want to help out. We're going to give $33,000. I don't remember exactly what happened next. I think it involved smelling salts, but, um, but I just kind of said, thank you. <laughs> Here's some contact information. Sure enough, that's what they did. Headed on to South Texas, got there, and I met, went in a guy's office. I'd met this guy once before. I knew he loved the Lord, loved the kingdom, and I knew he had some money. So I went in there, and I started sharing, you know, how... 
People were coming to the Lord. Lives were being changed. Whole families were being baptized together. Amazing things were happening. And before I could even get to my like, appeal, my little like, presentation of here's what we need and all this, he said, he said, hold on. He said, I just want you to know my wife and I have already decided to give you $100,000. Yeah. Amen. Again, more smelling salts, I think. But um, before I left his office, I had a check for a hundred, I don't think I've ever had a check for $100,000 except that one time in my life. And it was through that experience and other experiences like that, wild and wonderful experiences where my plans fall through and God starts showing up, that I begin to change my expectations because over and over again I've experienced in my life that God is there, okay? God is real. And when we believe in Him, when we trust in Him, things may not go according to our plans, but He will deliver. He will show up in amazing, creative, surprising ways but I believe, guys, I believe the chronic challenge of most Christians is disbelief. I really do. That God doesn't show up. That God doesn't work in our lives. I believe they have very low expectations when they pray. I'm sorry, that's just what I've seen, what I've experienced. Now, disciples, look. We are connected to the vine, right? We're connected to Jesus, the Son of God. And I believe we can and should expect God to show up in all sorts of places. When we're on the mountaintop, when we're in the valley, a boring old Tuesday commute on the way to work, I believe that God will show up if we start listening when we pray, if we start watching for where He is at work around us. So this is on your outline. I just want you to write this down. Look, I'm a disciple. I think you can affirm this this morning. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am called to a life that can only be explained by my relationship to Him. Along the fundraising trail and in so many other places, along my faith journey, I've learned it's not about me, it's all about Him. And the truth is, listen closely, the truth is Jesus believes in you more than you believe in you. I believe that's true. Jesus believes in you more than you believe in you. He knows what you are capable of. He knows what can happen if you trust in Him, if you walk in connection with Him, that you will have a life that cannot be explained except by your relationship to the Lord. Now, last week we saw Jesus in the temple. It was quite a scene, right? Jesus was angry. He's tipping over tables. He's swinging a whip around. He's yelling. He's shouting. He's driving people out. Um, what I skipped over is right before He got to the temple, so they leave Bethany. They're walking to the temple. He had a he had a rather odd encounter with a fig tree. Chapter 11, verses 13 to 14. He, Jesus, went over to see if he could find any figs. He was hungry, right? But there were only leaves because, and this is very important, because it was too early in the season 
for fruit. In other words, it wasn't the right season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. And then Mark adds for our benefit, And the disciples heard him say it. So he's kind of off on the side talking to this fig tree. And the disciples overhear this conversation. It's a little bit weird. As we've said before, sometimes Jesus taught a parable using words. Sometimes Jesus acted out parables to teach something. And that is what is going on here. Now later, after the temple visit, after all we talked about last week, they went back the same way back to Bethany. They passed by the same fig tree, and sure enough, it was dead. It was brown, it was withered, it looked like someone had poured a gallon of Roundup into its roots or something. I mean, it was gone. I mean, strange, right? Strange. Strange that Jesus cursed a poor little fig tree for not having figs even when it was out of season. And strange that, G- that Peter was surprised that anything happened to the fig tree because when they walked back by and that fig tree was withered up, Jesus was like, I can't believe what happened. Whoa, the fig tree. Why was he surprised? Now the truth is, this is the parable here. Jesus is showing Peter and the disciples and showing us that we can be fruitful whether it's in season or out of season. In fact, Jesus expects us to be fruitful in season, out of season. To put it another way, this is on your outline this morning, fruitful. Jesus believes I can be a difference maker at places and times where I can't see how I could possibly make one. In other words, out of season. Not going to be any fruit in this situation. Not going to be any fruit at this time. Not going to be, I'm the wrong person for this. And Jesus says, no, you should still expect God to show up and do things through you. We are fruitful even because of him and our connection to him, even in places and situations where really we shouldn't be. Now, I'll give you an example. Let's talk about age for a second. You know, the world probably says, you know, you're like at your peak when you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s or something like that, and that's when you're going to get stuff done, right? Well, how about Moses? (laughs) Moses wasn't called until he was 80. That's when he got started. That's when he started being fruitful, when he took on Pharaoh, when he, through God's power, delivered the people from slavery. What about Sarah, Abraham? Same story, right? So fruitfulness, well, okay, it's not just about age, right? But it's a great way to think about it because normally we would say you're out of season when you're too young or you're too old. And with Christ, it's just not so. I know we need... Every week here at Preston Crest, we need people to help out in the children's ministry. We need volunteers every week. We need a lot of volunteers. I also know that there is no one that can impact a young child, one of our little ones, more than an older Christian. There is just something about those Christian grandmas and grandpas that causes such a difference when they interact with children. And you may have never thought about this. You may be like, hey, I'm past that. I, I helped out with kids back when I was, I'm done with that. Look, I think your most fruitful time may be right now if you're retired and you got some gray hairs. 
So maybe God is calling you to have a very fruitful season of work with the children of this church. It may be that you're old and you're infirmed. In fact, you're, you're at home watching online because your health won't even allow you to get here on Sunday. So fruitfulness over, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. You can pray. You can go to your prayer closet and you can bring the needs of your Christian family before the Father and through your prayers, I absolutely know this church will be changed, this city will be changed, and the world will be changed. You may feel out of season, but you can be perhaps more fruitful, stuck at home, but on your knees praying than you ever were before. Now back to Peter. I mean, seriously, you're... <laughs> I just look at him in this story. He's, he, Mark says he's astounded when he sees that fig tree all, worthy, all withered up. And I'm like, really? I mean, Peter, Peter had seen Jesus walk on water. Peter had seen Jesus take a lunch. And Jesus took a lunch, he prays over it, and it feeds a multitude of people a banquet for thousands. He had seen people, he had seen Jesus cure the blind, cure the leper. He had seen Jesus do all this stuff, and a, a withered fig tree like shocks him. Like, whoa, I didn't know he had that sort of power. I mean, you saw the guy walk on water. What's going on? So I ask you this do you really believe? that God will do amazing and unexpected things. Do you really believe that? The second thing is this. It's a faithfulness because of our connection to Jesus. Faithful. Jesus believes I can have a relationship with God that is so strong that I actually expect God to show up. When I pray, God's going to do something. Listen to Jesus here in verses 22 to 24. Jesus said, have faith in God. This is when Peter's like, whoa, the fig tree, wow, I can't believe it's withered. He said, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, go fall in the sea. And if you have no doubts in your mind, believe that what you say will happen, God will do it for you. So I tell you to believe that you have received the things you ask for in prayer, and God will give them to you. Let me acknowledge something. This is a difficult passage. Okay? If you have been a Christian for any amount of time, and you have encountered these words of Jesus, you probably thought about them and, and wrestled with them a little bit, right? I mean, that is, that is hard. I mean, and this passage, how, how misused could the, is this passage? You know, it's one of those three or four top misused passages of the New Testament. Foundational scripture for the health and wealth preachers for the believe and receive ministries around. But there are a couple of things with this passage that we need to keep in mind. The first is context, all right? Think about the context. And we talked about this last week. The context. Jesus is literally days away from, be, from being crucified. Okay? Days away. 
In verse 18, Mark tells us that the religious leaders are already in the planning phase of getting Jesus to that cross. Okay? So when Jesus talks about believing, about having faith, about not being blown over by your doubt, he does it knowing that in just a few days, the apostles will be in the middle of a Category 5 faith hurricane. Their faith is going to be shaken, is going to be rocked, is going to be tested like never before. And so he talks to them about faith. Jesus is going to die a terrible death. And while he has tried to prepare them for this possibility, let's be honest, they haven't really been open to these preparations. They have no idea what's coming. Now, the second thing to keep in mind has to do with this idea of faith, of faithfulness. The Greek word here is pistos. I want to talk about that just a minute because Christians, non-Christians, I mean, even atheists, we use faith, we use that word in the way that we talk about things. And there are a lot of people that when they use that word, basically faith means this, ah, this general, like, nebulous, positive feeling that everything is going to be fine. You just got to have faith, you know. But since Jesus is about to be crucified, and since most of the men, probably 11 out of the 12 that he's talking to, are going to suffer a similar death because of their commitment to Jesus, I think we can rule that general, positive, rainbow, unicorn feeling out, Okay? Second thing would be this. There's an idea that some have that when Jesus talks about faith here, he is talking about the power of visualization, like what's used with athletes and, and business people nowadays. You've just got to visualize it, put 100% mental focus into your dream, into your vision for the future, and then it will just materialize in front of you. And I think we can rule that one out. Because faith for disciples is not a trick it is not a tool to get what we want. It is, and it's not dependent on my, my focus and, and my power of positivity. Faith is about a relationship to God. Father, son. Daughter, father. It's a relationship to God. A closeness with the Lord. In the Gospels, faith if you read the it's all about heart alignment, about trust, about aligning myself with my Father's vision. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That's what I want. Romans chapter 8, verse 27 says that the Spirit prays when we pray. The Spirit prays, quote, in accordance with the Father's will. 1 John chapter 5, 14, when we pray as believers, John says we pray in accordance with His will. Praying in faith. It's praying in alignment with the Father's heart. It, it, you see how that gets twisted? I mean, you can pull this passage out in Mark chapter 11, and you can make it all about you. We do that sometimes. Ah, Thank you, Jesus. Nice little trick there. Nice little insider tip. So that's how I get what I want. I just need to focus all of my mental energy on the power of belief 
and presto, my wildest dreams come true. Well, faithful prayer for a disciple isn't primarily about getting what, it's not about getting what I want. It's about my Father accomplishing His good and perfect will. It's about His plans, not my plans. Well, keep those two things in mind. The context, the hurricane that is coming, Jesus is calling them to continue believing Him, to continue connected to the Father, even in the midst of this brewing crisis. And also, that praying in faith means praying in a deep alignment with the Father. Now, none of that means, okay, none of that means you need to leave here today and stop praying for the things that you have been praying for. Keep on praying those prayers, right? But it is a call to go deeper and deeper with your Father so that what is on your heart comes into alignment with what is on His heart. Now, it does mean that we as believers, even when we see a mountain, it may be a fundraising mountain or it may be a mountain of sickness or a mountain of unemployment when we see a mountain that looks like an overcome uh, an insurmountable obstacle to us even when that's the case we can pray and we can still in fact we should still expect the father to show up amen now one of jesus favorite expressions used several times in the gospel is, is this expression watch and pray Love that expression. Watch and pray. I think a lot of times Christians do a, a fair and a good job of praying, but a pretty lousy job of the watching part of that. We pray, but when God actually moves, we don't see it. Or like Peter in the fig tree, we're, whoa, did you see? Look at what happened. <laughs> Look, when you pray... For someone to be cured of a terminal illness, pray and watch. Be alert. Maybe God will heal that loved one. Rejoice in that and thank God. Maybe God will raise up a new therapy or a new doctor or a new surgery or something. Rejoice in that. Thank God. Maybe as you pray, God will give you a peace that passes understanding and will give your loved one a peace that passes understanding so they can, that they can move on and receive their reward. And rejoice in that. And thank God for that. Now, I know this isn't easy. The disciples were about to have their... You can turn that back down a little bit. The disciples were about to have their world turned upside down by the arrest, by the trial, by the murder of their best friend. Days away from that. The hurricane generally comes when you don't expect it, when you're not ready. And you never want it, right? You like never are wanting the hurricane to come. But in faith, 
we pray and we ask the Father to work and move. And we as disciples, we aren't surprised when he does, right? That's God doing God stuff. Happens all the time. Now believe, Jesus says, believe that you have already received everything you need, everything you're asking for, and trust that God's wisdom and grace in that wisdom and grace, that is true. You have what you need. You've been thoroughly prepared and equipped for whatever you're facing. Now trust that the Father has already shown up in the midst of that situation, good or bad, and even if it's not how you would draw things up, He is at work according to His love and His infinitely great wisdom. And finally, let's talk about being a, forgive, a forgiving people. Perhaps so forgiving that to the world it's, it's almost unexplainable, right? I mean, we have this, to some extent, unexplainable, unfathomable capacity to forgive because we understand the size, the extent of the debt which we ourselves have been forgiven, right? Isn't that what we remember when we circle the Lord's table, table together? We remember how we have been on the receiving end of so much luxurious, undeserved forgiveness. It is mind-blowing. And so we are a grateful and a merciful and a forgiving people because we we stand in the shadow of the cross. So write this down. Forgiving. Jesus believes that I, that you, He believes that we can be free from bitterness and resentment. This is what He says. Verses 25 to 26. Whenever you stand up to pray, you must forgive you must forgive what others have done to you. And then your Father in heaven will forgive you. And he said these words, remember. He said these words just a few days before he, hanging on the cross, would look at the people who put him there and say, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. And we are to be so connected with this story. It's our story. The good news is our story. And we're so connected to it, to the redemption that He has given us, that we share that same spirit of forgiveness and mercy, right? Well, back to my fundraising stories. It is incredible, really, it's mind blowing. When you begin to expect God to actually show up. Now here's what I learned after everything, really, everything that I had set up for that trip either amounted to nothing or, or fell apart. I learned that God does His best work when my plans are in shambles. That's what I learned. And I have seen that over and over again. I have all these amazing plans that, oh, this is going to do this, and this is going to... And then God says, yeah, yeah, I got another plan. Let me show you what I'm going to do. So expect God to do something amazing. Just know that it is very likely that the amazing thing that He will do will start happening when all of your plans are in rubble. Now, 
God loves you so much that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, for you on the cross. Will you accept Jesus? Will you believe in Jesus? Will you give your life to Jesus? Declare Him to be your Lord and Savior. Be buried with Him in baptism. Will you do that and begin walking with the Lord this morning? And believers, are you guys ready for expectation alteration? (laughs) Are you ready for God to start showing up in your day-to-day life? Are you ready for God to start showing up in the ministries and the work of your church family here at Preston Crest? I hope so. Because buckle up and let's go. Let's respond to the Lord this morning as we stand together.